Lounge. Today on Broadway for Friday, June 7, 2019, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. Is it over? Is it over? Is it over? No, almost, almost there. It's getting exciting, James. <laughs> My name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. This is going to be our last episode before the Tonys. Um, it seems like so much is going to happen over the next, uh, I guess right now we're recording at 8 a.m. on Friday morning. So that is uh, effectively two and a half days before the ceremony starts. Um, it, it just feels like we spend these not just six weeks of the actual Tony season since the nominations, but an entire year working up to this weekend and obviously the awards are not the be all and end all, but to me, James, what's important about the Tony awards while I recognize that like uh, deep Tran and I talked about, it's not necessarily the best theater in terms of the art in the, in New York or in the country, but it is the most visible and it is just a celebration of theater in general and theater people as a whole. So that's what I, I think I always get super excited about the Tony awards. Uh, even though I've talked for years, especially on, something like a pop that awards don't really mean a ton other than from the commercial aspect of things or how it helps somebody's reputation and career. But the Tonys to me are the most important awards because they celebrate a group of people that for the most part doesn't get celebrated nearly as much as their screen, both large and small counterparts. So I always get excited for the Tonys, even if the awards aren't necessarily always going to end up the way I want them to. You know, it's interesting, the uh, Oscars and the Emmys, uh, those folks who win those Oscars and Emmys, I think they're all jelly about Tony. I think they really (laughs) want a Tony. As much as, you know. Yeah, I've often heard, I think it might have even been Tom Hanks who I heard say this first, that film, working in film, is a director's medium Mm -hmm. because it's their vision and and they have every control of everything working in tv is a writer's medium because you have to turn out so much content that you great writers excel in that because they've always got a new episode to work on but theater is a real actor's medium because you are the one that's on the stage every night and it's your responsibility to give a performance that is nuanced and ever-evolving so i i do think that there's a a large part of actors who um, the ones who really uh, enjoy the craft and get something out of the craft itself, there's always going to be that allure and draw to Broadway. But it is also super intimidating as you talk, as you hear actors talk. Um, it is not an easy thing. So I, I definitely agree that for actors, the pinnacle in terms of the craft is always going to be on the stage. Absolutely. All right, let's move into the news of the day. Oh, uh, Matt, did you win the Mega Millions? Is it tonight? Tonight's the Mega Millions. Yeah, I have not won any of the last three, but it is above uh, half a billion dollars uh, tonight. I think it might be 540 or something. So I'm planning on winning. Um, so just, you know, just be prepared. If I decide not to do the post Tony's episode, that that might be why. Well, if you win tonight, then the inheritance will start tonight. But uh, if not, then the inheritance will make its Broadway debut this fall. Well done. Well done. Yes, James. uh, One of the most acclaimed plays of the last few years to come out of the West and is coming home. The play was written by American playwright Matthew Lopez, who also wrote The Whipping Man and The Legend of George McBride, amongst other shows. And The Inheritance is set in New York. But while the show was over in London, it was nominated for eight Olivier's and one for Best Lighting, Best Director for Stephen Daldry, Best Actor for Kyle Soler and one for Best New Play. 
as it makes the journey back across the Atlantic, it will eventually be setting up shop at the Ethel Barrymore Theater with previews beginning on September 27th ahead of an opening on November 17th. Now, you'll likely realize that a seven-week preview process is a bit excessive. Scott Rudin is even looking at it and going, wow, that seems like a long time, guys. Um, and especially for a play, it, you know, uh, you know, we had like six weeks for a lot of the, the Rudin musicals, but this is seven weeks for a play that has already had two successful runs, first at the Young Vic before going to the West End. But like Angels in America and even Cursed Child, like we've seen the last few years, this is an epic, I think, seven-hour, two-part play. Oh. Yes, and if you look at their preview schedule, they will be spending the first week and a half only doing part one before taking a few days off and then settling into a more traditional two-part schedule. According to the press notes, the inheritance asks how much we owe to those who lived and loved before us and questions the role we must play for future generations. The show re-envisions E.M. Forrester's masterpiece Howard's End to 20th century New York and follows the interlinking lives of three generations of gay men searching for a community of their own and a place to call home. Um, Pre-sale for this one, James, will begin for American Express cardholders today at Friday at 10 a.m. New York time, then for audience rewards members on Monday, June 17th, and then general public on June 24th. Now, James, I know two-part plays can be intimidating for a lot of folks, but the amount of love and adulation that this show got from people uh, during its production in London, where they don't often appreciate American plays, uh, was pretty incredible. So while I think there might be a bit of a hump to get people to commit to a two-part long play, uh, I think the buzz for this one is going to be super intense. It is taking a bit of a risk to open in the fall um, so far ahead of, of Tony season. But I, I think this one has to be one of the leaders, at least so far, in the best play category for next year's Tony Awards. Wow. So uh, six, seven week uh, preview period. Uh, the public theater says, here, hold my beer. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that that's not unheard of in the nonprofit world. Uh, yeah, you know some of the well, other but, things, but this, certainly this is not 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 for profit nonprofit. This is not not for profit. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've talked about this before. Off Broadway, you'll often get a show do like six weeks of previews and then close two weeks after opening because they. Mm -hmm. You know, they have all their subscribers in and they they want to have the opportunity to sell the tickets before reviews because they are not for profit. So they need to kind of get those butts in seats and, and they don't want to take the risk. But uh, uh, but yeah, this is a much different animal uh, when you're have a commercial run doing a seven week preview period. But I, I think this one, from what I've heard about the show without any spoilers, I, I think that preview period and the emphasis on part one early on uh is is warranted so uh this is being produced by tom carter he's sonia freeman hunter arnold who also uh are the producers of uh frankie and johnny that i saw last night so they are getting the early <laughs> jumping out to the early lead it's sometimes a kentucky derby uh strategy to jump out to the early lead to hold on to it all the way through the whole thing but sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we'll have to see yeah. what happens yeah and we and we should uh mention that uh our friend oliver roth is also a producer on this one too 
Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, we should, he, he should have some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, special setup that people can go see the play and then have dinner with him in between and then go see <laughs> the second part, yeah. you know. Talk about the Tony season, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We could record it. All right. Uh, next up, yesterday the Public Theater announced its new season, talking about the public. There you go, James. Yesterday the Public Theater announced their latest slate of plays, and while there is no new Stephen Sondheim and David Ives musical, sigh, uh, there is a ton of really interesting stuff. The season will start in the fall with a New York premiere of the, of Soft Power, which had its world premiere with a center theater group in California last spring and summer. It is described as a play – with a musical, hmm. not a description you've heard for anything else, but a play with a musical. David Henry Huang uh, wrote the book and lyrics. Janine Tesori wrote the music and contributed lyrics. Francis Zhu, a former Tell Me More guest, uh, Conrad Ricamora, Elise Allen Lewis, Raymond J. Lee, and more will star in what has been described as a fever dream take on The King and I, but in which Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election. Uh, got a ton of really interesting reviews from California. Everyone praised its ambition, but said it was a little muddy. They've had uh, by this time, more than a year and a half by the time it starts, uh, not a year and a half, a year, uh, more than a year to, to rework it. So I'm really excited to see what they do with this. Then the public will also have the first major New York revival of uh, Entazanga Shange's Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough in the Fall, followed by the world premiere of Richard Nelson's The Michaels. Also in the fall, the public will present another first major New York revival, this time of Tony Kushner's A Bright Room Called Day. The winner of 2020 will bring the world premiere of Coal Country by Jessica Blank and Eric Jensen with original music by Steve Earle, along with the New York premiere of Mona Mansour's The Vagrant Trilogy. Then in March, another musical, the world premiere of the Tom Kitt, Brian Yorkie, and Kwame Kwai Armaz new one, The Visitor, which we uh, actually talked about before, and it'll star Tony winners David Hyde Pierce and Ariel Stachel. Then over the summer, the public will present the world premiere of Kulid Wata by Erica Dickerson Dispenza. James, well, again, no new sign time. Still shedding a tear. Sorry, Ashley. Uh, there's a lot of interesting eclectic offerings, as always, from the public theater uh, this coming year. And and those two musicals are what you expect a musical from the public. And I'm counting Soft Power as a musical. Um, those are the type of musicals you expect to come out of the public. The public is doing just incredible work. And it just from producing from community outreach to meeting their mission statement. I, you know, Matt, tonight, if you win the mega millions, I call on you to make $10 million donation to the public theater. I'm calling on you for that. All okay, right. Well, I'm going to hold you well, to that. I've, I've got other plans, but uh, okay. Well, well I'll, I'll get in touch with Oscar. Okay. Eustace, not he, the Grouch. He used to be uh, – well, anyway. <laughs> what do we have in out-of-town news? Okay, James. Finally, remember a month or so ago when I was talking about upcoming tour announcements mm -hmm. and then it seemed like – Man, didn't happen, not, yeah. not much happened. I mean, we got some. We got the Frozen one, which I wasn't expecting. And then we got the, the Mean Girls one with Mary-Kate Mor uh, Morrissey doing the Stars in the Alley. I knew about that one. That was one of the ones I was I was talking about. But the super exciting one that I thought was going to happen that week didn't happen. But it did happen a month later. And that is that Kara Lee Carmelo will lead the second year of the national tour 
of Hello, Dolly. The three-time Tony nominee will take over the title role from two-time Tony winner Betty Buckley beginning on September 24th in Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Uh, and I might have might have to take a trip down to Naples, Florida in February to catch her in this. Uh, this seems like Kara Lee could have been... Actually, uh, the, the rumors are that Scott Rudin wanted Kara Lee to be the alternate um, before Donna Murphy kind of jumped in to that fray for Betty or for um, for Bette Midler. So I, I think Carolee will be just sensational. Like if we ever got a Broadway production of Carolee Carmelo, that would feel right. Um, so this is really exciting to have her go out on the road. No news yet on whether or not any of the other principals will stay or go for a year or two. But I would assume there will be some other new ones coming in at some point. Next up, it was announced yesterday that the world premiere of Mrs. Doubtfire, Subscript, a new musical, will have a pre-Broadway run at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle in the late fall. No casting has been announced, but the show is scheduled to run from November 26th through December 29th. Now, last month, we talked about the recent work session, which was led by Rob McClure and Kate Baldwin, amongst others. Um, so maybe they'll be involved. That's a kind of a quick turnaround for Rob McClure, uh, who's in Beetlejuice, assuming that Beetlejuice is still running in October when the show is going to start rehearsals. Um, that's less than a year in that. So who knows what happens there? Uh, but you also remember that Jerry Zaks will direct and Lauren Lataro will choreograph. The show will be written by something rotten creators, Carrie Kirkpatrick and John O'Farrell on the book and music and lyrics by brothers, Carrie and Wayne Kirkpatrick. And finally, yesterday, the Williamstown Theater Festival announced more casting for their upcoming summer season, including Deirdre O'Connell, who is replacing Ellen Barkin, who had to withdraw for a scheduling conflict. Then Ashley Park was joined the cast of Grand Horizons, which just so happens to be coming to Broadway in December. So keep an eye on that. Um, and then Frank Wood, Catherine Combs, John Sesma and Owen Tabaka are also joining the, the, uh, the, the season. We've got more information on all of the shows they're doing and the previously announced cast that they're joining in the show notes. Okay. And uh, because this is the last time that you and I are going to speak with our friends listening to us right now before the Tony Awards, here are some last minute Tony news. Yes. Um, so there's going to be a spoiler alert coming up here in a minute. So we'll get to that. But yes, James, first up, the Tony Awards announced who will be performing on Sunday's telecast. The ceremony will feature performances by the casts of... Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, The Share Show, Choir Boy getting a performance. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Hadestown, Kiss Me Kate, Oklahoma, The Prom, and Tootsie. You will notice that The Share Show is the only one that is going to perform but is not nominated for Best Musical, Best Musical Revival, or in Choir Boy's case, Best Play. Tony winner Cynthia Erivo will also be performing, which I assume means that she's doing handling the uh, In Memoriam responsibilities this year. Not confirmed, but that's what I would imagine. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Great stuff. And it seems like James Corden has been rehearsing a fairly big opening number that involves cast members from a lot of the shows. So maybe that'll be how we open with a bunch of other folks uh, doing stuff. But we'll have to wait and see till Sunday on uh, eight, at 8 p.m. And finally, James, on Friday morning, Michael Paulson of The New York Times released his annual Tony voter survey. I'm going to go through the results. They are usually very accurate. So if you don't want to be uh, don't want to be spoiled on potential winners, um, so to speak, I guess spoiler is a, a, you know, a way to look at this. Um, just turn the show off now. We won't be offended or fast forward a couple minutes. But um, uh, th th he's pretty good at getting these right. All good. OK, so. 
Paulson surveyed 123 of the 831 Tony voters. He notes this is not a scientific survey and things can change as votes aren't due until today, Friday at noon. But basically, in the four production and four lead performer categories, Paulson found that seven aren't that close. He says that basically, according to his survey, Hadestown, Oklahoma, and The Ferryman all have commanding leads in the musical, musical revival, and play categories. Then, in the lead acting categories, Brian Cranston and Elaine May uh, pretty much have the play court categories sewn up, while Stephanie J. Block and Santino Fontana are running away with the musical awards. The only race in which uh, he he deemed it a uh, uh, too close to call was the best revival of a play. He said that the boys in the band has a slight lead, but that both the Waverly Gallery and All My Sons were close enough that they're just as likely to win, you know, as we hear in politics and scientific surveys, within the margin of error, so to speak. Um, So, James, I I really wish that he would include the featured performer categories because those are some of the most compelling races this year. But what he's giving us seems to track with the conventional wisdom, at least what Ashley and I and you have been talking about and predicting this week. Um, Those seem to be fairly unsurprising to me, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, that... You know, the Tonys throw us these curveballs every year, and while we look at Hadestown, Oklahoma, and the Ferryman, and those other categories uh, mentioned as being locks, there are some things that we just can't plan on. Yeah, I feel pretty good about those, though. <laughs> no, no. That, that, what I'm saying yeah. is that those are those are the locks, and then we yeah. we have the other things that we just don't know. Yeah. We just don't what- know. Yeah, I mean, and remember, last year, um, this survey was the first time we really ever thought about uh, um, Once on This Island potentially winning Revival. Um, He said it was pretty much neck and neck between that and My Fair Lady. I think everyone else had dismissed uh, Once on This Island. He also called Tony Shalhoub over Ethan Slater, which at that point, we all just thought that Ethan Slater was the one that was going to win. So these are these tend to be very right. But I'm very excited about some of these other categories, especially for for the featured performer ones. But anyway, if you want more information on any of the stories or links to check them out, you can go over to the show notes in your podcast uh, app or to broadwayradio.com. Okay, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Last time before the Tony Awards. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And James, you want to remind people what we do after the Tony Awards as well? Uh, We sleep. Well, not yet, because we record an episode right after the Tony Awards. Oh, that. Uh, Yes. Yes. With all the winners. So that'll be in your podcast feeds. Um. I mean, as soon as we can get it up after after the Tonys. Well, we mention all the winners. We don't have all the winners join us on the podcast. No, yes. no that would be that would be great. That'd be great. But you know, they're off to the party, and we are we record. So my uh, name is James Reno from BroadwayVideo.com and BroadwayStars.com. Happy Tonys weekend, everybody! This is um, what we all do, and we're all excited. So uh, add us on our social medias at Broadway Radio, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Insta, I'm not sure how you added Insta, but you can hashtag us. And uh, But give us your best pictures of uh, the red carpet and things like that. Lisa Goldberg. Lisa Goldberg. Uh, and uh, Matt and I will come back and talk to you on Sunday evening uh, with all the winners. Uh-oh.